Thanks for joining us. It is the Live Transform Podcast. We're your hosts, Bob and Audrey, with Dr. Jim Richards. And looking forward to this week, we're in a series, I believe, that might be best titled Faith Righteousness, The Ultimate Revelation of God. And Mm -hmm. that's one of your newest series, Jim, that you've uh, put out. Uh, Last week, we spent some time defining uh, righteousness. We we spoke a lot about harmony and what what will we attune? You know, yeah. how will we tune our lives, or to whom will we tune our lives? Yeah. And I I found that extremely uh, beneficial. And so you know, today we're just going to continue that journey of righteousness. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was thinking we've been um, in our personal conversation uh, with each other before you press record, uh, we just begin to talk about, you know, falling in love with righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, what does righteousness, you know, look like, you know, in our lives and and the expression of it? And uh, so, you know, be, with it being so much more than just a, a theological term or definition, but the practical, you know, living of of the righteousness of God and really uh, and enjoying life together. And the experiential, yes. um, the experience that we have with righteousness, because that's when things come get home. And Jim, it's so great to have you. I can't believe we're episode two eight nine. Isn't that, that amazing? Is amazing. We're episode two, I love it. Hundred and eighty nine. And listeners, if you're one of those that have listened to every one of them. I just want to just confirm the fact that you are our best friends because we have had so much time <laughs> together. Genius. You're a genius. You're our best friends. And can you believe we've done this together? I just love to acknowledge you that you have stuck mm-hmm. with this journey of ours that we don't consider necessarily perfect in any way, but journeys are about exploring yep. and we're exploring new facets of who God is. And there is synergy when we're all together mm-hmm. in this. So thanks for joining mm-hmm. us, you guys. And Jim, I love um, this topic of righteousness and I'm glad you're with us in this. I love uh, you it. know, I, I do too. And uh, you know, one of the challenges of righteousness, we, and you know, just, just for our listeners, we, we all talked about this at the break, you know, the, the Chinese word for logos, and you know, logos gets into just the word of God as it is lived and experienced, not just the literal didactic teaching. Mm. It, it, it is, mm-hmm. it is, it is what every word of God means if it's in perfect harmony with every other word of God as it is being experienced in your life. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty phenomenal. Yes, yes. and so yes. Um, you know, so. so the Chinese have a have a there in their New Testament, the word for logos. Uh, they have a saying that says that would say the logos that could be explained is not the real logos. Right. I have a new one. I've been saying the last couple of weeks, and I don't know where it comes from, but I love it. And it's this: reason explains, but intuition points the mm, way. That's good. That is real good. Isn't that, that a is good, good one? I have been loving that. I've been resting on it. Like reason just explains, yep. but intuition, that, you know, infinite intelligence of God Almighty yep. Jesus, like that infinite, infinite intelligence of our intuition. Intuition doesn't explain. Intuition just yep. points the way. I'm like, that's how I want to live. Just point Absolutely. the way, baby. Intu- intuition, <laughs> just point the intuition way. knows. <laughs> that's, that's why yes, it points the yeah. way. That that's what we should say. Instead of reason explains, intuition oh, knows. There you go. And that's that's that. <laughs> then we just even we got it to the Woo. next level. Doesn't that? A, that's it a good is. one. I think that should be a quotable. It quote. should be. It absolutely should reason, be. Reason, reason explains, oh. intuition knows. But you know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring that out is is the the teaching of righteousness is the most complex of all subject matter in the entire Bible, it is, it flies in the face of the natural mind more than any of the subject matter of the entire Bible. It, it, it really forces people to, to decide and to get into a real black and white kind of thing of, okay, who's right, me or God? I mean, righteousness takes you to, it, it takes you to some places that are very, very spiritual and impossible to define, but at the same time, it takes you to some place that very, 
places that very concretely define your position uh, uh, and who you who you think you are in relate in relationship to God, and and who do you think mm-hmm. who do you think is right, and who do you think is smartest in this equation is is, is you or God? <laughs> and uh, right. sadly, many people actually believe it is them. You know, they don't admit it, maybe, but but yeah, they yeah. do believe it. Yeah. believe it is them. But uh, so so this and remember, more people stumble. In other words, you know the word stumble. Uh, or the word offense means to stumble. So by reverse engineering, if a person is stumbling, that means they're offended. And so more mm-hmm. people get offended over the doctrine of righteousness than anything that in the Bible uh, because righteousness, it, like I say, it, it brings you down to a black and white concrete place of saying, of saying either me or God is right. And people, but man, people don't like, you know, they, they don't like to admit how self-righteous they are. They don't like to admit how opinionated they are. They don't really want to have to come out and say, I'm, I think I'm smarter than God. Uh, you know, and so, and so it's, it's telling. But then, now that's just righteousness. That, that, but then beyond that, and you can't even venture into faith righteousness until you first have resolved your issue with righteousness, just, just righteousness itself. What is righteousness? Mm-hmm. And then when you resolve that, you're a candidate to enter into and to participate in faith righteousness. And that, and then that is where you go into a dimension that is beyond anything that's one-dimensional. I mean, you're going beyond behavior. You're going beyond uh, opinions. You're going beyond doctrine. You're going into this logos. You're going into this realm that's all-consuming about who you are in connection with God. And, you know, all the things we talked about last week, like, you know, you know, of harmonizing with God. And, you know, and I, you know, am I play? am I the, is my instrument, my life, is my life, my instrument in harmony with God and with mm-hmm. uh, all the other people that are seeking to harmonize. I mean, th- this just gets so mm-hmm. vast that it's, uh, uh, again, it's the most challenging subject matter in the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, challenging, um, I don't want to say necessarily difficult. Right. right. Okay, not not challenging, difficult, but but to again, place it in that context, you know, where you've got a full, you know, grasp understanding of it. And that's, I think what you were saying, you know, you know, the Chinese, you know, they've defined logos as, you know, it's not something that can be fully explained. And so it's, again, it's nothing with the cognitive, you know, with the reasoning of our mind, but it's the experience and the, and the uh, living of it, you know, in our hearts and our lives. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, this week we're kind of, this week we're kind of want to get down to why and how righteousness. Now, remember, we're not even talking faith righteousness yet. We're just talking about what is righteousness, and and and, and let me say one of the reasons that righteousness is such a contentious point for people because because righteousness. Does is not a one-dimensional word. There's not just one or two simple words that can explain righteousness. It gets into a whole vast uh, array of the logos of all these pieces that come together and, and all this kind of stuff. But one of the one of the functional or applicable concepts of righteousness is righteousness is what determines whether or not we are qualified for benefits from God. So from the outside looking in, this looks like works righteousness. This looks like if I perform enough, then I become qualified for the promises of God. Now stop and think about it, though. If you work for them, they are not promises, they're payment. I mean, man, we get, we, we get into all kinds of paradoxes and contradictions in this that, that just that, that go just beyond, like say, simple, simple, simple thought processes. So... So even though from the outside it looks like works righteousness, it looks like and sounds like we're saying, so if I do right, then, I, then, then I'm qualified and God's going to answer my prayer. God's going to bless me and God's going to heal me. And all that's not at all what we're saying. 
we're saying that uh, that if you are in harmony with God, you are qualified. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds like I'm saying the same thing, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm saying, so, right. so like I'm talking about work. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about I'm talking about a state of being that now does this state of being is not just a positional state of being because it righteousness if righteousness is a position, righteousness is a legal standing, but righteousness is also a power that works in our hearts. And so anything that works in our heart always is manifest ultimately in our behavior. So I have a okay. question. So if righteousness is a position, righteousness is a standing, righteousness is a power, could it be, and this is a question, could righteousness also be a feeling? Can I feel righteous? Uh, well, you know, the great thing with God, because we are spirit, soul, and body, we can have feelings for anything. Anything, because I, I, I because even in a, if in a dictionary wouldn't call righteousness no, a uh-uh. feeling. I just want to tell you, you know, experientially, no. because we we were talking about experiences and and, and experiences are individual. And and we, before we started talking the podcast, we talked about how we want every person to have their experiences with God that no. are theirs. We don't want anyone to have ours. Right. But when other people talk about their experiences with God. It's not like I need theirs, but inspires me to have my own. And it does kind of open up spaces for possibilities oh, oh yeah. sometimes when you hear other people talk about experiences. So a recent um, experience I had with feeling righteous, and you know, I could, I'm not talk, talking doctrine because I'm not, not necessarily my specialty, but I felt righteous because in my secret place with God, when I was communing with God, um, I personally have a, a love for plans. I love plans. I love, I feel great on a very clear marked mm. path. If you, if I looked at my journey in life, Bob, Bob is okay. Other people are okay with being in the middle of an ocean on a sailboat and just loving the freedom of that. And that's love that feels great for them. I love a clear marked yeah. path with flowery hedges and all that. Wow, 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 whatever. You guys know me. But anyway, with I feel righteous because on this path the other day, um, I experienced having time with God and I laid all my plans on, on a table. And I just said, you know what, Jesus and God, Father, Holy Spirit, all y'all, all three of y'all, <laughs> here are... <laughs> Here are a stack, and I'm talking, I got cardboard boxes full of plans and ideas, okay? I just do. And there was a kind of a lot. And so I just dumped them all on the table, and I said, can I, I think I have a a lot here, you know? Can you help me to be in alignment into your righteousness with these? So I had got two words that just were straight from God for my heart, that they they, they, he doesn't do anything that you're not willing for him to do. But I said, Father, I would love for you to take these plans and dissolve all the ones that are unnecessary. They're just excess, yeah. excess plans I have, excess expectations I have, just excess in general. And can you solve the plans that are completely under your God divine design for mm-hmm. my life? You know, and I just kind of didn't want to just like clean out a closet. Yeah. I just dumped the box and I said, can you dissolve and solve? So when you say those two words for me now this week, those are my words. It's like, I feel so loved by God and I feel so much in line and alignment and righteous because he dissolved all the excess. I don't have to know what they are. I don't have to write them all down. I dissolved this one, this one, this one, this one, because it's just a faith move. It was just like, it'll all just play out now because you're going to point the way to go. I don't have to reason through this, but I just love that I feel righteous and cleaned up from all excess that you've dissolved the extra and you've solved the ones. And that's where my faith is. And then I feel righteous. So that's just a story. That's just a story. You know, in the prayer organizer, which is, if people use the prayer organizer the way it was designed and the way the instructions tell you, it is a tool designed for writing truth on your heart. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, in acknowledging the names of God, uh, I, I always encourage people that, that, that if you're looking, you know, any of the names of God, we start with the name of, the, uh, of God. 
we uh, give you the meaning of that name of God. We show you, you know, that that is that name of God is fulfilled in Jesus. And so, you know, we're taking you on this full concept of the name of God. But we also want every person to create a feeling. What does it feel like to be right. righteous? So, so you know, I can just, yeah. I, I, you know, I use the prayer organizer uh, basis for praying for so many years. I can just say I'm righteous, just saying it right now. I immediately have a sensation that is like righteousness or that, for me, defines feeling righteous. And here's the thing mm-hmm. is, is then you can actually create that. When you are in situations where you're facing challenges or facing temptation or facing struggles, and you can put on righteousness uh, as a choice, as a truth, da 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 da, da but, you, but along with it comes the feeling of being righteous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's so much rest in yeah. that. And you now you came to it, and I love be feeling righteous just because being aligned with the, the names yep. of God or the word of God and all that kinds of stuff. And I love that we can all have our experiences that will resonate with us to have those feelings. But I mean, all obviously aligned with his names, his everything about who he is. But he also knows mm. us. He knows you and how you feel yep. loved as well. And so he's going to love you in that way. Like you and Bob might not need need to have that right. experience of dumping your box no, of no. ideas and plans. That might not be a thing for you, but it is for me. And it felt great because that was an alignment with being hearing his voice sure. from my heart, according to him leading me as my shepherd. You can all of his names of God can align with those kind of experiences. Oh, sure. Well, you know, the, you know, this week one of the things we're looking at. Now, did we a couple of weeks ago? I think we talked about. Didn't we talk about kind of the, the, using the model of the polygraph? Did we talk about? Yes. That? Did we, Bob? The polygraph. Did we talk? Just talk, talk about it a few seconds, well, and just, I'll, you, I'll remember. You, just tell me a little know, bit more. You know how you set up to do a polygraph uh, to get a baseline. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. That's yes. 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 Let's we recap did. that just a little bit, just so we get everybody on the same page here, because we're trying to look at how do I how does righteousness from the Word of God, how does that fit into, you know, love and mercy and kindness and goodness and, and forgiveness and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, we talked about the fact that, that in a polygraph test that, uh, you know, you sit down, they attach all these electrodes to you. And so they're going to ask you a few questions that the person who is administering the polygraph n- knows what the honest answer is. So, like, if I was mm-hmm. if I was sitting down with Bob and I was you know doing a polygraph on him, I would ask him the question. I would say, "Is your name Bob?" Bob would say, "Yes." Mm-hmm. I would look at the yeah. I would look right. at the polygraph. It, it, it would it, it would give a graph. It would draw a graph, and that graph mm-hmm. would be indicative of what a graph would look like if he's telling the truth. And I might ask him another question: Are you married? Are you married to a, a woman <laughs> named Audrey? Yes. And mm-hmm. so, but now if he lied on any of those, I would immediately see the difference between what the graph looks like if he's telling the truth or what the graph looks like if he lies. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. this is, uh, some people, in interrogation, they call this establishing a baseline. And so interrogation, mm-hmm. they always establish some kind of baseline to be able to perceive what is true. Now, one of the failures that we have uh, as modern Christians is we, we are not taught the Bible well enough to to ever establish these baselines about how can I know when something is absolutely true or not? Because if I can't identify what's absolutely true, how do I know when something isn't absolutely true? How, how do I know when something is totally false if I don't really know the Bible? You know, where, 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 where do I get this? How do I, how do I sort this stuff out? So most people are left to subjectively, and usually they deceive themselves into uh, thinking about what they want, how they want it to be, what it to get them, and all that kind of stuff. But we're left mm-hmm. to subjectively come up with our own definitions of good and evil, our own concepts of good and mm-hmm. evil. Mm-hmm. And we end up calling righteousness, you know, evil and 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 evil righteousness. And so, so you know, we, 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 we pervert the truth, but we lose absolutes. And we can't mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. then based on 
the absence of absolutes. And this is one of the reasons from all the way back in the 50s and 60s when they started teaching, you know, relativity, this was the goal behind this to get it to where nothing was absolute, therefore people would reject the Bible. Because the big issue that pagans have with the Bible is that it has absolute morals, it has absolute values. And so uh, that's the whole hatred that the, that the uh, pagan world has against God. We don't want any entity saying there's an absolute good and there's an absolute evil. Right, 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 right. So, so, uh, uh, so if we get that baseline of certain things that we know are absolutely true, then anything that is uh, that the pattern looks different, like on the graph, you just look down, and if it's true, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple pattern, doesn't have any big spikes in it. But if it's not true, man, there's going to be spikes and squigglies and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you compare this pattern to this pattern, you're like, that's a lie. And I can tell by the pattern it produces. But see, we don't we don't know enough about the Bible, and we don't know enough about God to be able to do that. Now, a lot of people would spiritually say, well, the Holy Spirit is there to do that. Well, that's true. But if you don't know the Bible, the Holy Spirit can't do that. You know, Jesus said, he'll bring to your memory the things that I said. Well, what if you never heard any of the things Jesus said or never read any of the things Jesus said? Well, you know, they say, well, it's written on your heart. Well, it is written on your heart. But, but what if you don't know when and how to trust your heart that it's God. I mean, how do you know if you don't have some absolutes? So, so if we if we say, for you know, one of the examples I always use is, okay, what about mercy? You know, right now, there's probably no telling how many Christians don't believe in capital punishment, and they don't believe in capital punishment because they will say a loving God wouldn't do that. And they would say, you know, that would not be mercy. And so, you know, the, so then you say, well, wait a minute. So you're telling me then that if I'm merciful, that the person who goes out here and, and rapes children, I should actually just overlook that and trust that if I let him go, he's not going to go ahead and rape any more kids. And that, that's supposed to be mercy. Mm-hmm. You leaned up on that one, well, that's, Bob. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, this this comes, you know, to the place of righteousness, yeah. and this is where God is. Um, he's just as well, and so if He were to be in that definition, wrong definition of mercy, then He wouldn't be just. Well, but but the you problem see, then comes: where am I getting my definition of justice? Mm-hmm. So everything, everything comes becomes subjective if I do not have a place to go to get absolute clarity, so that I can, so that I can, you know, and it starts with righteousness. Yes. So now, what I'm about to say, we have discussed this hundreds of times over the last 30 years and different broadcasts, but I'm just going to kind of give a thumbnail sketch on this, you know. We don't really know anything about how the universe worked before sin came in. So sadly, we can't look at the universe and see that the perfection by which it functioned before sin came into the world. But we can still get a pretty good picture of it. Now, one of the things that God tells us is that, is that if we look at the these invisible things in the world that God has created, we can understand, or excuse me, the visible things in the world that God has created, that we can understand many of his invisible attributes. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, the word of God says that, that people who misunderstand that do it deliberately. They don't want to understand. And so, you know, I mean, we could just look at the most simplistic concept of, of physics and say, well, you know what, every day, every day, you know, you got daylight, every night you got dark, every day you got the sun, every day you got the moon. In other words, you've got these things that happen around defined boundaries and parameters. And so, so that gives me some kind of understanding of what righteousness is. Righteousness is when all these things coordinate together to produce the outcome that sustains life and sustains peace, sustains joy. So, so, okay, you can look at creation. 
Now, another place that you can look is very obviously, and we talk about this all the time, is we can look to the names of God. All the names of God tell us very specific attributes of God. And, and so to, to uh, call him our God and to disagree with those names is really what the Bible is talking about when it talks about taking the name of the Lord in vain. If he is Jehovah my peace, but I say, you know, he brings trouble my way to teach me things, then I am taking the name of Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah my peace. I'm taking it in vain. I'm rejecting it and saying, no, he does something else. So see, but if I believe in the name of God, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, my peace, if I believe in Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides, if I believe in the name of uh, Jehovah Tzidkanu, Jehovah my righteousness, in other words, if I believe in these names as they are defined in the Bible, then I have some absolutes about the character of God. Right, right. And I love that. I then, love you know, another thing, and boy, this is, this is something that people get so confused about. People who are just trying to be loyal to, you know, the new covenant, they're not trying to be loyal to Jesus because they don't believe you can follow Jesus' teaching. They think he was a teacher of the law. So I don't say they think that, I don't know how they work all that together in their brain because there are no absolutes in that. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, the, the law and the commandments... We know for a fact that the Bible says that obeying the law and the commandments never made anybody righteous. And, and I mean, the Bible reveals the things that the law can't do. Right. And, but it does say that through the law, we have a knowledge of sin. Now, everybody acts like that's a, that's a bad thing. Well, no, no, that's not a bad thing. Uh, because the real truth is, the word, the, the law and the commandments was given to show us what love looks like. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I love eight of that. the ten commandments, eight of the ten, tell us how to relate to and treat each other. And that's what love is. Mm-hmm. Do I value you? Do I, treat, do I treat you with value and respect and this sort of thing? And so yeah. when the 613 laws came into, into being, all those 613, and 13 laws are based on specific uh, laws of the 10. So that means that means 80% of those 613 laws are telling you how to treat one another, which is how to walk in love. It doesn't make me righteous. It doesn't make God love me more. It doesn't get me any special benefits mm-hmm. with God. It just right. tells me how to relate to people the way that God would relate to people. So now mm-hmm. I have I have these the law and the commandments saying this is if God is is identifying good and evil, this is how you can know good and evil because if it violates this. In other words, the, you know the law says don't lie to your neighbor. Well, what if I lie? That's not then that's loving. not then that's yeah. not loving and that's not good. Yeah. It says you know yeah. don't commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. So if I commit adultery with my neighbor's wife, that is not you know that's not good. That's no. not loving. So yeah. <clears throat> you you get these definitions or you get these explanations or pictures or of what love looks like and what and what good and evil look like. And so so you got you got creation. You got the names of God. You've got the you got the uh, the law and the commandments, and again, don't twist that around. I am not saying that the law and the commandments make you righteous. I'm not saying that they they can't change anything. They have no power to change anything in you. They can just define good and evil, and 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 for sure you will know you will have knowledge of sin when you get out of harmony with Him. <clears throat> so then you come forward, and then you have the ultimate, what I call, you know, the Rosetta Stone of all truth (laughs) is Jesus himself. He is the exact representation of God. He is the Word made flesh. Uh, If you've seen him, you have seen the Father. You know, the works that he did are the works of the Father. The things that he taught are are the words of the Father. In other words, he was in exact harmony with God the Father in every single way that you could be. 
So now, ultimately, you know, if I look at the law and I try to go and I mishandle that and I try to turn that into something that God doesn't want me to turn to, I can still come forward to Jesus and say, well, wait a minute, did Jesus interpret it that way? Did Jesus apply it that way? You know, one of the greatest uh, interpretations that Jesus ever gave to show us how to understand the law was when there was, there was that big argument over honoring the Sabbath. And he said, don't you understand? Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So anytime the law doesn't serve man, then, then we're misusing it. We're misinterpreting it. So, so we got creation. We got the names of God. We got the yeah. law and the commandments. Uh, we got the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we've got at least four ways right here that we can yeah. look at uh, anything and say these are places where I can clearly see good and evil. Yes, clearly. Yeah, there's no question about it. So then this would mean that anything that is in disharmony with any of these I need I need to look at now. Let's say let's say you, you, you you're seeing something, you know, like I said with, with creation we don't have as we don't have as much definitive absoluteness as we do with other things because since sin came in the world creation doesn't function like it once functioned. So I understand that, but we can always come forward names of God, and with every one of these steps forward, it gets more detailed. And gets more specific till you ultimately come to Jesus. And you look at Jesus, you look at what he taught, you look at his ministry, you look at how he treated people. And then ultimately you look at the covenant and the inheritance that he received from God. So now I have absolutes. Now, here's the crazy thing about these absolutes. And we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. With God, for example... Uh, even if you obeyed everything that the law said, you still wouldn't you still wouldn't be righteous from it, because it, it's not enough. Based on Jesus' teaching, it's not enough that we do what the law says. If you know, it, we have to have the same motives that he had in doing the law. So, man, I mean, we so we get this stuff brought to where it is unmistakable what the absolute truths of God would be. So now when somebody starts talking about love, you know, I can look at the four Hebrew words for love. And I say, well, wait a minute. What you're describing is not in line with any of these words. It's not in line with the words that God used when he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. It's not in line with the definition of the words that God used when he said love your neighbor as yourself. And so, so we have these places to go and say, you know, I'm not saying that I disagree with, with you about the importance of the love of God. I am saying that you have abandoned righteousness. You have left the way, the baseline. You have left the absolutes of how, of how we yeah. can define love and know that we are still in harmony with God's intention. Because remember, God's motive is love, but God's intention is for everything to stay harmonious with that which sustains the life of God. Well said. I think that gives it such clarity. And I love the baseline approach. Just like I love the piano from last time. I love the baseline approach because we just can't get away no. from that. That's just the way it is. And I love the absolute of that. There's a lot of security with that because then there's not a lot of guessing. Right. It's just, there's just not a lot of guesswork there. It's, there's no room for guessing actually. It's just pretty wonderfully yeah. clear. And I love clarity. Clarity is oh, a I'd wonderful agree. thing. Yeah. I do not like confusion, and confusion is, you know, the Bible says confusion nope. is never of God. You know, it's amazing, yeah. and this is so paradoxical, what I'm about to say. God is a God of absolutes, but because of those absolutes, <laughs> there are crazy paradoxes within those absolutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because real life is always filled with crazy paradoxes. <laughs> so, you know, now some people would come out and say, well, wait a minute, I believe in faith righteousness, so I believe that I'm righteous by faith, so what difference does it make? I don't have to do all that stuff. See, again, that goes back to, well, wait a minute, you, you don't really even understand what faith righteousness is about yet. You don't even understand what righteousness is about. The, you know, if I'm walking in love, 
then the truth is I want to walk in this righteousness. I want to treat you the same way God treats me. I want to talk to you the way God talks to me. I want to I want to forgive you the way God forgives me. I want to be merciful. But I don't want to forgive you in ways that are based on humanism. I don't want to have have mercy in ways that are based on socialism. I don't want you know what I mean? I want I want it all to be based on God's righteousness. The cl- what clearly is good and evil. And if it's good, it always brings you in harmony with God and always, always, and if it's got the same intention, that always brings the life of God to your situation. So what this does is it helps us bring us back to this, bring us back to being in love with righteousness because we love clarity. That's why I love righteousness because righteous is clear and clear is not guessing or confusion. It's wonderful not to feel confused. It's wonderful to have feel that righteousness and be positioned in righteousness, no reach righteousness. And again, reasoning will just explain it, but intuition will point you that way to go to be in righteousness, not just to know what righteousness is, but to be in it. Just to be in righteousness, positioned now, you know, in righteousness. This brings us when you talk about loving righteousness. Now, this, this, now, now you start to say, then, okay, this brings us to a couple of interesting factors about this that that mm-hmm. we start mm-hmm. to have uh, kind of the, the emotional tie to to righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting mm-hmm. thing about Jesus is the Bible says of Jesus, it says that the the uh, the scepter of his rule and his reign is righteousness. Now, stop thinking about it. A scepter is actually a sign of authority. Hmm. You know, when, when Moses stood on the shores of the Red Sea, man, he's praying, he's begging God, he's doing all this kind of stuff, God to deliver us, and God's like, you do something. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, <laughs> Moses was like, uh, okay. what do I do? He said, use the rod I gave yeah. you. And so yeah. Moses goes out there, stretches the rod out over the Red Sea, and I don't remember if yes. he told it to, to part or anything, but when he stretched that rod out, the Red Sea The dry parted. land. Yes, the dry land was there, and he moved forward into the So you're set the he rod just, and the sept always represent mm-hmm. authority. And so, so mm-hmm. you realize that we can have absolute, if we know what the righteousness of God is, we know what the absolutes of God, we can always have authority because authority is not really used to establish our will. I mean, we can, we can use, we can, we can corrupt our authority, but we're supposed to use our authority to establish the will of God Mm -hmm. here on earth. Well, if I don't know the absolutes of God, if I don't know what God's will yeah. is, then I can't really confidently step up into a into a wild, crazy situation. And I'm not using the very gift that God's yeah. given me, which is authority. Absolutely. So, so this plays such a major role in our authority, uh, which, as uh, I'm saying, if there's ever been a time in the world we need to know how to use authority, is right now. And if I don't know righteousness, I'm not taking advantage of the very. <clears throat> thing that God has given us on earth. And that's a reason to fall in love with righteousness right there. Because, you know, in agreement with him and his righteousness, we do have authority. Well, we have authority either way. We can be messed up and have authority and use it for not good things. So Jesus also stopped and think about the fact that that the Bible also says that, that God anointed Jesus, you know, with the oil of joy above all of his fellows because he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Mm-hmm. So why, though, did Jesus love righteousness? Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but the primary reason Jesus loved righteousness is because righteousness <clears throat> manifests the glory of God. Now, we, you know, we talked couple of weeks ago about the difference between justification, sanctification, and glorification, right? Yes, we did. And so glorification only happens when other people are able to perceive God being manifest in our behavior. Jesus glorified God by doing the things in real life 
that uh, that God the Father would do if he was right here, right now. So raising Lazarus from the dead, he said he's doing it to glorify God. You know, several, several times he worked miracles and took people through deliverances to glorify God. And so, so God gets glorified when he and his truth and his reality is actually seen, is actually manifested. And so Jesus loves righteousness because when people align themselves with righteousness, and again, this sounds so much like we're talking about works, we're not. When, when people come into harmony with who God is, with God's promises, with you know, with God's protection, with God's names, you know, with all, all of the everything that God has to offer us, this life of God. When we come into harmony with the life of God, then suddenly our life gets better. We get physically healed, or we or we walk out of a problem, or we deal with a depression situation. We overcome something. But basically, God becomes glorified whenever people actually step into step into righteousness because the healing is a manifestation of righteousness deliverance mm-hmm. yes. is a manifestation of righteousness so good. prayer getting yes. answered is a manifestation of righteousness so and so god is glorified in those things so jesus yes. knows that when god is glorified people are delivered from the hurts, their pains, their suffering, and their aches. Wow. And so he loves love righteousness that. because it glorifies God and it brings yes. the life of God to the people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What you just said, because I've just been, you know, listening, listening, yes. and yes. thinking of all these different references. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 4.20 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Verse 21 says, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. You see, that is righteous. And uh, and believing, living, trusting, it's extremely active. It's not passive at all, Mm -hmm. but it's it's believing who who God is not only is, but yeah. who, even who he says yeah. that he Absolutely. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we want to glorify God, we can't glorify God if if we're misdefining. For, for example, yes. you know, I mean, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, and you know this, I mean, I see people all the time on the news and on Facebook, all this stuff, and you know, what they're calling mercy and what they're calling justice is really showing kindness and favoritism to the bad guys, to the people who are hurting mm-hmm. and destroying the innocent mm-hmm. and oppressing the widows and the fatherless and 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 you know all of these horrible, horrible things that are happening to people's life. And they're calling that forgiveness. Well, I got news for you. You know, there there's a certain corrupt segment of society that rejoices at that. But I got news for you. Society mm-hmm. as a whole never looks at that and glorifies God. They never look at that and say, man, God is so good. They never look at that and say, God mm-hmm. is on my side and that God is using the government or people to, you know, to pr- provide pr- protection for me. They curse God and they hate God because of the injustice that's in the world. And so, and so, you know, people that are claiming to glorify God by letting murderers go free and letting, you know, thieves and robbers take advantage of people, letting letting government officials steal and lie and do all the all the mess that goes on. They're not glorifying God. And in fact, they're contributing to the mistrust that the world has for God because the world believes that God is in control and that if it's going bad, then God is somehow letting it, allowing it, or doing it. And this is where God gets all yep. the blame. <laughs> no, it is really instead of it, instead yeah. of God being glorified, God oh. blamed mm-hmm. <laughs> the exact opposite. So this would be you know this would be a lot for I know we're at the, the drop off point here, but this would be a lot for people to chew on this week and think about this and 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 you know catch yourself when you start thinking oh so you're you're, you're talking about you're talking about uh, doing righteousness and then God does it. No, this has nothing to do with God doing anything for you. This has to do with God said, mm-hmm. this is what righteousness is. And it's a continuum, yeah. you know, just, just like mm-hmm. if you, if you choose the blessings, you, you, you get the blessings. If you, you if will you choose yes. death, mm-hmm. you, you, you'll die. And it's not, it's yes. not God standing yes. up and making a decision. He is just saying, this is good and evil. 
And the righteousness of this is me telling you, this will kill you. This will give you life. You get to choose. This is such a vivid picture of choosing life or death. This Mm -hmm. is such a vivid and clear picture of us having the authority to choose. This is so empowering for all of us to choose because every what I see in mercy is that every moment we get a a chance to choose. And so there's nothing in the that'll disqualify us disqualify us from choosing right now. And that's what I love about mercy is that, you know, sure, there's going to be some, there's going to be some after effect of the choices we've made up till this moment, but we can choose life, music, being in tune, the absolutes of his righteousness, of everything that is so clear. And then to think that then I get the authority to use, and then I use my authority in a way that's going to get me on a path of righteousness. And I believe that God's path of abundance, righteousness, peace, joy, everything kingdom is a one-way street. It's not going back and forth, going back and forth. It's a one-way street that we get to choose. Absolutely. If I were to ask you just a personal question, Jim, how does it... Do you think about righteousness all the time, or does it just become like a natural outflow of just walking and talking with Jesus? God writes all of his laws and commandments on our hearts. And if I'm understanding the the original right. language, he he does that including the motives and intentions. Yes. Now you gotta remember our heart has basically two voices. It has the spirit and the soul. And so as we renew our mind, then Mm -hmm. we're bringing the soul part, the part that we have control over, we're bringing it into harmony with the spirit part. Yes. Because because, God won't violate our will. He won't make make us write this stuff on our heart. And so so basically we are taking what he has already put into our spirit side of, of our heart and yes. we are saying, I'm, I'm taking hold of this. I'm, I, you know, I want this. Yes. And so, so what, what happens the more, once you believe, you have to believe it in your heart. And that's the key thing. Uh, yes. You know, you, yes. you can want to do a certain thing and it, no matter how bad you want to, it does not mean you will consistently or habitually no. do it because no. uh, it's, it's all based on what you believe in your heart. So as we, you know, as we make this our way of life, as we make following Jesus our way of life, really, I, I don't believe there's any one single way to explain it. I think, I think we have our own conscious, you know, the voice of our conscious, which includes both the spirit and the soul. We have the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking to our mm-hmm. heart. We have our minds, mm-hmm. which we have, if we've gone in mm-hmm. and renewed our minds based on, yeah. on the word of God. I mean, we have all of these different ways that God is using to say, walk this path. And mm-hmm. I, I, I know there's just so much more that I could go into, but but there's no one single thing. But this become remember a path always represents a way of life, and so so walking yes. a path is where is it's where this is becoming the way we live. It's becoming the way we think. And see, sanctification, just like every other thing uh, that has to do with with righteousness and salvation, you know, sanctification. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a past. There is a present. There is a future. I have been sanctified. I am being sanctified. So this sanctification is becoming more and more of something that is an ongoing way of approaching life. Mm -hmm. And something, you know, something that started out early in our walk with God where, you know, where there was a lot of just the mind always trying to deliberately pay attention. Should I do this? Should I not do this? And, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit was taking us through boot camp training, so to speak. But, you know, the more we walk this out and the more this becomes written on our heart, once anything is established in my heart or in your heart, we're going to do it effortlessly. We do not have to consciously think about it or make the decision. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that yeah. that is such a wonderful way to think because we, when our mind is renewed, then all of a sudden, any thoughts of fear or failure, resentment, or just thoughts of wrongdoing towards someone, or all of those, I just yep. believe, are naturally being kind of like baptized in the goodness of God, and and they're just not who we are. Like that's just nothing to do with what we want to think about. And then our words and our yep. ways, they all just follow. And I think that that is such a natural byproduct yep. of living in the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And being in yep. tune. It's mm-hmm. like once you've been in tune, you can hear pretty clearly when you're not. Oh, yeah. 
Like, you, you know what I'm saying? It, it's like, whoa, what's mm-hmm. up? And so you don't have to think it when you're playing, when I'm playing piano, I don't think about my p- piano being in tune at all until it's out of tune. And I'm going, oh, okay. Like, I got to think you about You can recognize here. it immediately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something is mm-hmm. off. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And there is a process, you know, of putting off the old, you know, <laughs> um, dealing with the renewing of the mind and really sometimes just pure bad habits, you know, that we've adopted and we feel as though, well, that's what I'm most familiar with. doesn't make it right. And so there is, you know, uh, um, and I think this is something we can even talk about um, going forward is then where does uh, repentance, Mm -hmm. you know, play a part in Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. And uh, because, again, I think there is a word that gets a bad Oh, absolutely. You know? Is repentance, yes. but again, what we what we are doing is coming into uh, a harmony, which is beautiful because mm-hmm. there's so much peace, so much and peace. pleasure uh, living in harmony. Well, we yes, have to remember exactly. that you know that the writer of Hebrews said that said they don't you know that God's ultimate goal for us is righteousness, and that and that until we can handle righteousness, then we are like children and we're not stable. We we are not mature. And so the writer of Hebrews gave us seven foundations of the faith. And he says, you know, doctrinally, and see, this comes into renewing the mind. Doctrinally, if if I know these doctrines, then I can make this journey to righteousness and stay on track because it's like I'll have seven guideposts, you know, on either side of the road yes. that says that when I bump yes. in this, post, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm not understanding something. So, so the Bible keeps giving you more and more ways to stay on track, and they go from the extremely simple to the extremely complex, and eventually they always, if you walk that path, they always come down yes, to the yeah. effortless. Very good. I okay. love it. Well, I really appreciate this. I love the two-part series almost of yet last week. I know we've been talking about righteousness for weeks now, mm-hmm. but last week and this week to bring sort of a almost a feeling of closure, of, of enjoying and being in love with righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I believe when we say the word in love, that's a relationship word, and I believe that we do have a relationship with righteousness in the way that some of us have given it a bad rap. And it's almost like (laughs) you have to clear out your relationship you've had with righteousness. If you've been bitter against it and had some wrong definitions, it's like, no, I'm going to change that relationship. I'm going to have a great relationship with righteousness because what a gift and what a calling, what a position it's and it's in the end, God is glorified. And mm-hmm. I love that. And imagine that our lives, our song, our music would arouse the enthusiasm of multitudes just because of how we sing oh. our song in the presence yep. of God. That's it. Thanks so thank much. Thank you. You're, 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 you are amazing well, as usual. You. And I love I, I, Remember, I am the consummate plagiarist. I just take things yes. that are already in the Bible and repeat them. I don't really, I don't really, ever, I don't really yeah. ever come up with anything new. <laughs> it's all the same. It's, it's all, all there. there. It's all there. Good. It's all there. Good. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Be sure to share the podcast with others and uh, take a look at Impact Ministries and uh, the new series there, Faith Righteousness. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.